Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Anime Brothers podcast and the finale of Jamovie Moon. Uh, wow. Jamovie Moon. June. Jamovie June. I tell you, it's a tongue twister and a half. I am JD, and I'm here with, obviously, Mr. Earthworm the Mighty. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good, my friend. Pretty good. Um, I, I, today, I got back for my second ever anime convention, day one. Um, I'm hyped, and um, but more importantly... I am hyped to talk about the movie that we're going to be talking about today to close out our aptly named Joe Movie June. Uh, we're talking about Redline today. Um, in my opinion, just an absolute thrill ride, if nothing else. But uh, we'll definitely get into that in a little bit. Yeah, already giving them a sneak peek. I think some could tell by that uh, description, Earthworm may have liked this film a lot. So... I was uh, definitely invested, like for one re- for for one reason or another, this one hooked me. Very, very. You know what? I like hearing that. So we're definitely going to get to that today. We have a little bit, a couple of things before we get to the final review of uh, Redline. Uh, just want to make it known that we have two new Patreons for the podcast. We have Nadja, I believe it's Nadja, N A D J A. Um, thank you for being a Patreon member. And we also have Jake. I won't say your last name, but we do not know your name yet on Discord. So just saw the Patreon, wanted to say thank you. And we will try to reach out to you to figure out uh, what your name is on Discord so we can a- add you to the exclusive chat. Yes. And if you hear this before we get to you, please um, hit that link in the show notes, join the Discord along with anybody else who wants to join the Discord. Um, but thank you, uh, too, for becoming patrons. That means the fucking world to us. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and I just want to say that um, hopefully you guys are enjoying uh, Jamovie June. And if you can, I don't like to be a big, big promoter here, but please, if you can, go to Spotify, leave us a review. Five stars would be preferable, but if you don't want to, that's fine. But just let us know we're doing a good job with some of these ideas we're coming up with, but like a solid month being just about movies. Let us know how you're feeling. If you're able to review us on like Apple uh, podcast do that as well whatever works we want to hear to the feedback we want to hear the feedback yeah reviews really uh really help people pick a podcast i mean i know if i walk up on some podcast and it's like three and a half stars i'm like unless there's some real bullshit going on in the in the reviews I'm yeah, like, yeah the review why, why says bother? they don't like tuna fish so i don't want to listen to them it's like well i don't know if i could take your you know criticisms to heart right so. I I've watched, I listened to one podcast. It was uh, like a conspiracy theory thing, and I checked their reviews because they were like a two point three. I was like, wow, and <laughs> and all the reviews were like left wing conspiracy bullshit, too left wing for me. And I'm like, oh oh. And then I checked, and their latest episode was about QAnon, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so uh, as we were talking about the Patreon, we also have our P- Patreon Q&A for the end of the month. We only had four come through, so it won't be as many as we usually do, but uh, we will be getting to that right before we get to Redline as well. Uh, yes. But anyway, so yeah, you already got to your first con. Might as well talk about it real quick because I will be joining you tomorrow. Of course, this is different than when the episode comes out, but how was the first day of uh, the port con that we have here in Maine? Uh, pretty cool. So like, as JD mentioned, um, by the time you hear this listener, uh, we will have already been done with PortCon. We will have finished and collected all of our goods and our fucking rewards. But, yes. uh, day one was cool. Me and my partner just kind of went for, uh, maybe like two and a half, three hours. Maybe we didn't actually sit in on any panels. We really just wanted to check out the merchandise for the first day. Um, well, is there a lot of good merchandise? Will it be there when I'm there tomorrow? 
I think so. I don't think there there was enough things that I was interested in that I honestly today didn't buy anything from the dealer's room. I only bought from so we have a secondhand garage sale at this con. So I bought a couple things there and I bought a few prints from the artist alley. But um, as far as the dealer room went, like there was enough stuff that I knew I was going to be interested in that I was like, all right, I'm going to let the selections narrow themselves down so I don't spend my entire paycheck here. But yeah, there yeah. was, um, I think you're going to be very satisfied. I don't want to spoil anything for you. No, that's that's fine. I know we're actually getting our buddy uh, uh, Devin to come as well. Who's not a weeb. Like, this is crazy. He's going to no, be blown away. I, we, I got him into Naruto, got him to Attack on Titan. We finished Demon Slayer together. He's slowly getting his feet wet. He's like, you know what I want to watch next? Hunter, Hunter. Oh, the boy's all in. I'm so happy. Hell so, yeah. Um, basically, yeah, he, he wanted to go. He's like, if I can't go, please get me a figure. But now he's like, I'll be there with you guys just a little bit later. And it's like, that's just great. I'm glad he's, uh, letting his uh, hair down a little bit, you know? Dude, it's great. And the fact that he's into Demon Slayer now. Oh, he's going to fit in right now. He's going to fit in every con. It's all Demon Slayer, bro. Demon Slayer, Attack on Titan. He's got all the, the major ones. Naruto. Everyone knows Naruto. You're you're good to go. (laughs) Dragon Ball Z. He's good to go. I just, I saw so many fucking cosplays, like, of Demon Slayer. It's absolutely ridiculous. So is it Cosplay Alley? Like, actually quite a bit, a good amount of people cosplaying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, most of the people are in costumes. I saw a John pierre Polnareff cosplayer, and I was, I walked up to them, and I was like, your cosplay is legendary. And they were <laughs> like, that is the best compliment I've ever gotten. That's all you need. No, it was fucking amazing, dude. Like, it, you just walk into a place like that, and you go... I'm with my people. It's it's wonderful. I'm with my people. But as far as the things I like actually bought today, I bought some really kawaii Pokemon prints. They're like tiny and chibi and, and they're adorable. I bought a Mob Psycho poster, which I am excited to show you, JD, because I think I'm going to put it up in the studio. Mm. And um, my, but my most favorite thing is I bought a, a Bokuto cosplay, you know, uh, just like the outfit. And that's from um, Haikyuu. If you're non uh, Haikyuu listeners, it's a certain character from Haikyuu, and he's amazing. So yeah, I'm wearing it now. Are you wearing it tomorrow? Probably. Like again, I wanted to give it to you because I know he's like your favorite character, and it's the number like, four. It's my favorite number. Then that's the thing. Like, but I tried it on, and me and you, I have to admit, like as time has gone on, we're two very different body sizes. You're you're just a you're a bigger, tougher man than I am, and Ooh. um. I'm a Say some boy. more nice things about me. I'm fucking, I'm a twig, bro. So I'm putting it on and I'm like, all right, around like the chest and the waist, there is so much room. And then like the shoulders and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. This makes sense. Well, fair enough. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll spot something when I go tomorrow. I'm excited. And uh, maybe uh, if it all goes well, we'll even probably do an episode about it a little bit. Um, the plan is for sure to do our sort of seasonals coming up soon after this Jamovie June. So uh, we got the seasonals coming up. Don't you worry, listeners. That is also on the uh, next type of queue. Definitely. Like, uh, even if we can't, like, get a whole episode out of our con experience, maybe that'll be, like, an extra episode that we can kind of find a little bit of time to Yeah, record. Patreons, you know, they can get it a little early. Yeah, yeah. So more incentive to join the Patreon club. Um JD, did you have any updates on yourself? I don't know. I, I know you're excited about the con, but did you have have you done anything else? Uh, no. See, I've been doing nonstop working. This is my four days off that's coming up after working like 14 days straight. Uh, okay. Mostly on night shift. Uh, Shit. So 
I don't live an exciting life. So yeah, this is probably <laughs> the most exciting I'm going to be. I was with my wife today and uh, my cousins. We were by the beach. I actually posted a little snippet from me at the beach on Instagram. I uh, got to do that. I'm going to go to the con for tomorrow and Sunday. And then Monday, I'm going to have a relaxing day. You know, we're going to sit out front on the porch, probably drink some beer and just talk about how these kids keep getting in my uh, yard or something. So Okay. I'm not gonna do All that. All right, that's the know. thing you could definitely do. That is um, a that is an option. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, nothing of note. So sorry to be boring. Uh, not much to say here, but there will be more updates by next episode, especially after the con. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt, it's um, it's crazy, dude. Like, and it's not even that like huge of a con. It's just, it's fucking wonderful. I also, oh yeah, I guess the one update is for anyone that's been listening. We we did go to the driving range together one time, and we did hit some balls together. I went we said to my, that. yeah, I went to okay. my meme's house today, and I asked her because I knew Bubba, my my uh, grandpa who passed away recently. You know, does he have any clubs that aren't that valuable I could use? Because I don't want to break a driver. And she said he had a shitload, and it was no lie, he had hundreds of clubs. Really? So I took one of the more, you know valuable drivers but still definitely probably worth like 50 60 bucks because that's how clubs work nowadays yeah Yeah. and uh yeah she gave it to me so i'm gonna have my own driver to bring and of course share with everyone but i won't have to use those little small shitty ones so i'm almost becoming a professional golfer i was gonna (laughs) say that's hilarious because robbie and drew the other two buddies that we golf with (laughs) they fucking they bought like we have five drivers now with yours Five drivers. included, we have six. Jesus. We have six drivers with yours included. That's right. We have six drivers now, so we could try two out at the same time. It's fucking wild, bro. <laughs> well, there we go. But yeah, so that's the only update is I have a driver for next time we're able to go, which will probably be like the next Hell time I have yeah. off. So. Hell yeah, dude. That's fucking awesome. But all right. So I think it's time to at least get to the Patreon Q&As because some of these are pretty in-depth, and uh, there's only four of them, but... They always like to get us uh, to answer some of these a little bit more in depth, so I kind of wanted to get to those before we get to the red line review. Would you say that these questions are as in depth as the animation of Redline? More no. at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just, I just kind of spoofed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I will go first with the first question from Mister Doctor Ducky. Uh, love the name. Uh, don't ever change it, please. Um, don't ever change Doctor Ducky. <laughs> It says, so if evil versions of you, DJ the Complicated and Skybird the Meek, appeared in front of you and challenged you to a fight, how would you do? Um, So it's kind of funny because your title says Earthworm the Mighty, so you'd think you're a mighty man, but you are kind of meek if you see you. Like, you're scared. You don't want confrontation. So it's funny that the Skybird is meek, but really, I think it's opposite. two, uh, Two things real quick. Yeah. One, those are the funniest nicknames I've ever heard ever. The, Don't you get it? You get a ten out of ten just for the nicknames. Skybird the meek, that fucking fucking DJ the complicated. <laughs> There's nothing complicated about DJ. Just you know, whatever. <laughs> and then second of all, I want to clear something up. Um, the reason I added the little earthworm, the mighty, is it, it's ironic. Um, I, I, my my nickname is named after one of like the weakest, tiniest, shriveliest little fucking creatures on earth so i'm like the mighty earthworm and it's like (laughs) he's just slowly crawling it's 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 irony i hope people aren't like wow that guy's got a fucking big head no (laughs) i'm i'm really i wouldn't even say i'm humble i just have low (laughs) self-esteem 
So, so um, but either way, yeah, yeah uh, moving on. we have this fight question, and how would you do? And it's uh, so basically, how would you approach it? So, DJ to the complicated, I'm guessing, is the opposite of me. So, how I would have to approach the fight is that me normally, if, if this is a fist fight, I'm a very like patient type of person trying to get in my good jabs or whatever. And I feel like this person's just going to run after me. So, my plan is to just tire them out and just run away from the person. That would be how I would handle the fight. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you but not by any strategy way. So I've never been in a fight. I've never, the closest, anytime I've come close to a physical confrontation, I've like backed away and like fight or flight, it's flight. It just is. <laughs> I don't flight. know. I don't know how to change it. Whatever. The point is that that means that Skybird the meek is going to run at me like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to fucking charge me. It's going to um, be like brick from Anchorman. So, yeah, I mean, unless right now, like, this is the time that my fight kicks in, which I doubt, and historically is not a thing that has happened, I I've, I feel like, yeah, my best option is to either run or, like, hypothetically, like, duck and use his momentum against him, and, like, I'll flip him, and then he'll fucking hit his head on the ground, and he'll get, like, knocked out, you know? That seems like a very easy way to take him out. That's my best strategy is like a a shock flip knockout. See, and even I'm going to be facing a very angry, I'm going to attack you quickly and overconfident uh, DJ. So I don't know how I'm going to take it because if I do let my strength like in real life go all out and go crazy, I think I could do some damage. So DJ is not holding back. I'm a little nervous. See, let's hypothetically, let's say we have like opposite body types. We already brought this up earlier in the episode. Okay. You got off lucky. You got to fight a dude who's like fucking 60 pounds lighter than you. I got to fight a fucking dude who can already, I think, can kick my ass. And now he's got me by fucking four weight classes. I'm out, dude. I'm done. Skybird the Meek, he's the new podcast host now. So, Dr. Ducky, what have you done to us? I have to say, this is bringing up this little thing that you've already mentioned I like how you say you'd be losing if, if it's like four weight class differences, but not too uh, long ago, you just said that you would love to get us on video sparring with each other. Oh, yeah. And I weigh like 40, 50 pounds more than you. Yeah. You know, I, so I know. it's just still, it, I'm still though. caught off guard because I was like, why would you want to spar that's with content, each other when though. you've never fought? You just said that. No, that's content. And you're my buddy. Now, if Skybird the Meek approached me and said, hey, man. I'm going to kick your ass in a celebrity boxing match and it's going to be on Showtime. Right. And everybody's going to watch like some Jake Paul shit. I'd fight him. I'd fight the <laughs> shit out of Skybird the Meek. If you gave me time to train and prepare myself mentally, I think I'd at least be in there and throw a couple punches. But I'm I'm assuming that the base of this question is this motherfucker jumps me on the street. I'm just walking down the road and he's like, he says, hey, you. <laughs> earthworm and i'm like how do you know me by that name and he's like i am skybird and i say oh my nemesis <laughs> something like that you know well either way i like the questions i'd say i'd probably lose but earthworm says it'd be different weights probably so i could beat him and you would probably have a hard time so you'd have to fight just a scrappy ass little dude like if you can get a hold of him you're good but he, and the whole know. time he's like reading the dictionary to me because he's complicated and i'm like shit i'm too simple i can't get it and then, uh, <laughs> I can't I can't pronunciate what the hell's going on. <laughs> You'll never understand my feelings. Yeah. Punches you with the skinny knuckles. 
All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Dr. Ducky, for that question. Uh, uh, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to do the next one? Oh, for you? yeah. Oh, shit. I don't even have I don't. I don't even All have right, them I got you. Up. I got you. I'll this take is a long care of the one. last table. This is from uh, Chris, uh, one of our Patreons. You get the studio of your dreams approach. You're about an anime you get to write. So it's a, you get a nice uh, dream approach to write any anime that you want. You are in charge of the main storyboarding. The rest is up to who you let adapt it. Example, like Studio Trigger adapting A Slice of Life probably wouldn't go well. So the answer would be a summary of the plot and who would you would trust to adapt it. Um, or you could go wild and choose something you would like just to see, like Studio Wet adapting an Allison in Wonderland retelling. Possibilities are endless. Uh, you know what? It's funny. I like both of those fucking examples that chris put out um alice in wonderland done in anime and i also would love to maybe it's just me but i would watch the studio trigger slice of life like that's the one i would go out of my way to watch i know you would <laughs> maybe i'm fucked um well ah. i can go first if you want yeah you go first this is fortunately a for me i've actually already wrote out kind of a story i think i told Ooh. you about it recently and i wanted to I wish I was an artist so I could just like kind of start creating a story and all that because I got the main idea down. But my 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 idea was like this idea of a mirrored world, um, flip planes of existence. Everything in our current world has the very same thing happening in the opposite side, opposite spectrum. Kind of think of like I can try to make an example like already how uh, Stranger Things are is there's basically called the upside down. But instead of it looking like horror and like grotesque creatures and everything's decaying and dying it's just an opposite world where there's already a second version of yourself there's always two versions of something and what happens is exactly the opposite kind of like that first question is there's there's going to be a jd and then there's going to be a jd on this other parallel world and they have the exact opposite traits everything opposite of what you are now is in this other pretty much world what I'm hearing is you and Mr. Dr. Ducky need to get together because he got the same idea you do. Essentially. And uh, it's basically a story of fate and destiny, kind of like uh, the JoJo's things where it's that two worlds, two of the same beings, all are occurring at the same time and you cannot change fate. It's kind of like some stories are you're supposed to go against fate or anything like that. It's just it's not possible here. I even broke it down. Let me see. I got another page here. Let me let me try um yeah, much like the creation of two universes to retain balance, so is the balance of your life and destiny. If you change those balances, it becomes an unstable energy, which causes a mass of natural energies occurring in one specific location, causing darker energy and mass produce of black holes. It's it's a kind of deep thought out potential time manipulation kind of thing if you go against the hand of fate that's been dealt with you, but it's basically about two parallel worlds. I'm not going to bore you with every single detail, but that is kind of the main storyboard I got there. I even had character ideas, that, which are not overly thought out, but definitely like who. I love how much you just nerded out right there. Like, it makes me so happy. Like, I, I love how into this you are. Can we get this to actually happen? I would love to. Like, I, 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 I always have project. an idea or passion to, like, write stories. But since I can't make the vision by, like, I can't draw, I don't have video cameras to make it come to life, I have to just say it. And, uh, yeah. But either way, I think uh, the studio that's pretty much shown that it can handle some, like, definitely big uh psychedelic type of like trippy but also amazing looking animations after studio bones and what they did with uh, uh mob psycho i just think it's okay. incredible uh, i can see a lot of like when mob goes to like the uh mystery percent or 100 percent and all the changing colors and the and the stuff that it does the changing sequences uh sequences 
the ending fight where like it's like different shading of color in the background like the skies and like earth shattering shit because this world things are gonna go down to a cosmic scale where basically balances misalign and the two worlds actually become one and it's it's just i can already see it would be catastrophic and i think mob psycho was able to handle it and that was studio bones i think that would be a perfect studio for it um yeah all right huh that (laughs) so no that that was that was way so we're kind of i think that we're gonna have the same demographic but it's kind of completely different anime so you have this like fantastical thing going on it's like bordering on sci-fi and fantasy it's like somewhere in the middle I just want a simple telling of a true story from an MMA legend from Japan. Like, oh. a dude who was a Japanese legend in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, first of all, I think the studio I'm going to go with is... Remind me again who did Baki, just so I can sort TMS. that out in my mind. TMS, okay. They've been around for a long time. And they time. did Megalobox too, right? I don't believe so. I think they did, because they did... Um, Fruits Basket, and Fruits Basket was done by the same people who did Megalobox. You know Maybe what? Maybe I'm I'll, fucking I'll, wrong. You keep, keep talking, way, and I'll, I'll go find out. Either way, um, I, okay. But I think I want Production IG to do it, just because of what they've done with Haikyuu, and just the, the way they convey movement, and they make it borderline fantastical, but it's all it still TMS very... It is TMS Entertainment, you're right. All right. I'm still going with Production IG, but TMS Entertainment would be a good backup. Um, but I, I want a telling of, uh, he's an MMA legend from Japan. Like I said, his name's, uh, Kazushi, Kazushi Sakuraba. That's it. It it took me a minute. Um, either way. So this guy came from like the pro wrestling scene in Japan, which is different than our pro wrestling where it's, I think the outcomes there are still staged, but like the fighting is real. Like you're putting people in like real submissions, um, there are like a, there's a mix of staged and not staged fights, so some fights are actually like 100% real. So this man knew how to fight, um, and then he went into the MMA world as um, what's called a shoot fighter, I, I believe, or a um, a shoot wrestler. That's the and at the same time, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was coming up as like the martial art that beat the fuck out of everybody. So uh, Sakuraba was like, "All right, I'll fight anybody. I don't give a damn." And the man was a badass, too. He'd, like, smoke butts, like, but for the fucking, <laughs> before the fight, and, like, drink beers and stuff. Like, he was just, he didn't give a damn. Um, so he went out and he challenged, um, he ended up fighting a bunch of the, what's called the Gracie family. And they did, they, like, the, they're the originators of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So he went out and beat, like, four of them. And they were out there submitting everybody. Like, they were choking people out, breaking people's arms. This like is they a were... real story, though. This is a real fucking story. You're supposed to write this anime, and you're basically just telling a story of someone else that's already been made. But I want... I But we can write the story beats. Like, we can make this more than just a retelling. I don't want this to be a documentary. I want this to that's be, That's what like I mean. It sounded like you're doing a documentary. I'm like, man, you're supposed to write your anime, man. No, I'm just saying what we're basing this off of. That's what... I mean... Jesus Christ, I don't even know if I'm the right person to write the anime, but if I can, like, I don't know. I I was thinking, like, I'd like just an MMA anime, and you could do, like, just a basic character who's working his way up or whatever, but then I was like, there's a literal legend who's called the Gracie Hunter. 
because he and, and that's that title like if you know MMA if you know BJJ like that that's the Gracie is a legendary name there's a man with that already has an anime life that he's lived why don't we have a fucking anime about him especially when he's literally from Japan so I need this to happen so we're going to write in some like heavy drama it's going to I, I want it. I'm sorry, Chris, if that's not exactly what you want, but I've <laughs> I've messed around with like writing my own stories before and I'm never satisfied with them. So I, I didn't really want to go down that route. Um, But, you know, he did say like a retelling of Alice in Wonderland, you know, so I think this counts. I think no, it's fine. It's just when I was hearing it, I'm like, this sounds a lot like a, an actual person. And I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, it is. So I'm like, this isn't him making the story. <laughs> But, like, tell me, dude, that that's not a fucking anime, um, an anime plotline. Like, a guy coming up uh, in this new formed martial art that's called mixed martial art, so it's everything. You got karate, you'll have, like, a scene where a karate master comes up, and he does, like, a, all his punches, and the wind goes by. And then Sakuraba just grabs him, fucking su uh, suplexes him, and submits him in a second. And that'll be just, like, in a dojo or a gym or some bullshit, you know? But like this, this man went out and he was like, oh, you think you guys are the best? I am some fucking dude who does professional wrestling and I'm going to beat the fuck out of all you. And he pretty much did like anybody, anybody he fought that was from that family, he beat. And you know, unfortunately, he went out pretty bad. Like he fought way past his time. So his record's not great at the end. But like, goddamn, man, I, I love Sakuraba. If you like MMA and you don't know about Sakuraba. You have to go look him up. You will be forever happy. Fair enough. All right. So we both got to nerd out there a little bit. That was fun. There, there you go. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Shinji. God Way damn it. Go. How did you fuck that up? Everybody <laughs> just says congratulations and you fucked it up. <laughs> anyway, we're on to the next one. On to the next one. On to the next one. This next question is from Not So Might Guy, um, longtime patron, longtime Discord member. Uh, he asks, "What is a what is a moment in any show, anime or live action, that had you hyped or made you like super sad, and why do you think it hit you the way it did?" So, like, what what moment in any show impacted you emotionally to severe enough to where you like you felt that shit? Well, since it, it allows me to say live action, and I've had some anime moments I've brought up, ones that have hit me, I feel like I want to reiterate and really confirm how much uh, Avengers Endgame and the live action ending of which I'm going to spoil it, but it's been long past due, of Tony Stark dying and giving up his life, uh, uh, stopping Thanos, was probably one of the most hyped moments where i was cheering when he says the final i am iron man and snaps his fingers and then at the same time knowing the repercussions that were going to happen when he did said you know um act so it was it literally both of those moments where i was like yeah and i'm like wait a minute no and then he, uh, he, he almost died. literally was i was there with him i i saw the whole thing I saw the yeah. If we know anything about the last episode, is Earthworm sneakily likes to look at my reactions and be like, "Did he finally show an emotion?" So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, that one hit me. Uh, it took me a while to recover. I didn't want to watch anything with Iron Man involved because I wasn't ready. <laughs> so, he, I, again, I can I can attest watching the next Spider Man movie because it referenced Iron Man and how yeah. he was gone was tough for him. Like he had 
a real that was a hurdle for him to get over understandably so yeah essentially and that's why i've liked spider-man so much is because it's kind of like passed the baton on like really in the show and even peter parker has a hard time accepting that because he's like i can't be tony stark and then by the end he realizes he doesn't you can't be tony stark you know but you are basically what he expected and says you're even better than what tony was and then boom i in my own inner monologue to myself was like that's right we're all better than what we want to be and and i'm starting to think for myself and uh so i don't know it was a real big moment for me and I, you know, superhero shit, nerd shit. I don't care what anyone says. It can hit you no matter what. And that was amazing. So I was literally just talking to Kelly earlier about why I love anime and anime conventions. And it's like, it's it, it you, you're allowed to be a fan. You know what I mean? You're allowed to really yeah. it love It doesn't matter if you're shit. a Star Wars, any kind of like a nerd culture. It's like you care about something so deeply. And that's exactly that's, that's all that matters. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, for me, like it's probably gonna take everybody take a shot because <laughs> is it Gurren Lagann? It's literally Gurren oh, Lagann. What a like, surprise! I, I think, <laughs> and I, I have been chasing the high that is Gurren Lagann since I watched it. I, I have. Um, I've had plenty of uh, great emotional moments. Like just to name off a few off the top of my head, um, the Doctor Stone, uh, fucking flashback moment that was Oof. really powerful. About a hundred in Fruits Basket. I mean. Um, geez, the ending of Hunter Hunter, the ending of Yu Yu Hakusho. Every time I watch it, four four times now, every time makes me fucking tear up. But Gurren Lagann brought me, like, in twenty six episodes, it brought me to places where like all those anime are like either ongoing or close to a hundred episodes. You know what I mean? Right. Or over a hundred. It, it's Gurren Lagann was able to make me feel like I could do anything, and I've. Very rarely had a piece of media or anything make me truly feel like I was like not just worth something, but like I was the king shit and not in like a cocky way, not in like a, I'm better than everybody else. It's more of a I'm just as good and like I'm I'm the best me I will ever be type feeling. And yeah, so that that's where it's at. Garen Lagan, everybody take a shot. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm right now. I'm sorry if y'all are binging the podcast. You're probably shit faced by now. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Ooh. not so Mike guy. We got our last one of the day from Darth Egg. Do you want me to read it or do you? No, I'll take care of this one. Um, Darth Egg asks, and um, I'm very happy about this question. I like these well, questions. <laughs> I know you do. What is your favorite MMA fight? Yeah, they say their favorite is uh, Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner, the original Ultimate Fighter finale. And I honestly have to agree, personally. Um, there are some legendary fights that I have to, that I missed in my kind of UFC hiatus. But yeah, like that has always been a favorite for me, but I will, I will choose a different one. Um, but JD, I want to know if you even have any fights that you know about while I take a drink because my mouth like, is dry. Yeah, the latest MMA fight I think is when you came over and and you bought like one of the pay per views and we watched it. I've never really sat down, paid for any of these fights, or watched them. I'd watch highlights, some of the quick snippets. Um, I remember the classics when I was kind of into it, like Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz, that rivalry. Oh, I watched yeah. that. I also was coming up into MMA a little bit when Lyoto Machida was doing pretty well in the in the 
uh, MMA world as well as Anderson Silva, and I watched a lot of their fights, and I enjoyed them. I know Forrest Griffin as well. But yeah, I just never really fully watched fights. I just knew guys. I played the games. I'd, I'd watch some fights when I was at friends' houses, but I never paid attention. So as much as I enjoy fighting and one-on-one stuff, I've just never felt like paying the amount of money for MMA. So uh, it is expensive. I don't. I don't even pay for most. I've paid for one pay-per-view in my entire life, and I. And then you looked at me. Like and it's a- like, if we do this more often, could you help me out? And I was yeah. like, I get it, but it's like I don't want to pay the prices either. That's why I need like three or four buddies. Like 80 bucks isn't that bad when it's only $20 a dude. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I like, mean, I watched the Conor McGregor versus, uh, uh, wow, I forgot his Floyd his Mayweather. Name. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. And I had like my buddy uh, Chase and Devin come over and they paid a portion. And that was still like 100 bucks per person. And then yeah. the fight wasn't that great. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never doing this again. So Yeah. Yeah, that's a rough one. Um, But uh, as far as I go, so I... Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin won. I don't think they fought again, so the, the only one. Um, all-time classic, probably, like, if, even if just nostalgia purposes, one of my favorites, but a couple other ones that I, I really love. Uh, one of them is Clay Guida versus Diego Sanchez, and that's an old-school fight, too. And the I swear to God, dude, these guys just ran out and just started punching each other. There was no strategy involved whatsoever. They ran as close as they could and started throwing hooks. <laughs> like, all right, all right, I'm down. Um, so that's always a fun one. Uh, but a fight that happened recently that you should be able to check out if you have ESPN Plus, or it might even be on, like, YouTube at this point. But um, it is Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. Um, Max Holloway, probably the best boxer in the UFC. Definitely, like one of the best boxers, if not the best. And Yair Rodriguez is, JD, you love him. He's a wild fighter. Like, he kicks like a motherfucker. He does, like, rolling thunder kicks, which is when you do, do like, love a kicks, front and I flip like rolling thunder. somersault, dude. It's fucking wild. And that fight, like, it was crazy. I, wa- I-, I saw some of the most creative MMA I've ever seen in that fight. Um, he Yair, Yair Rodriguez shot up to the top of my favorite fighters list. Like, I fucking love that guy, and I will be watching. Like, if I see him on a pay-per-view, I will probably, like, fork up the fucking money to pay for it, and that's not a lot of dudes. So I highly recommend you go check that one out if you did not get to see it, Darth Egg. All right, fair enough. So there you go. There's our Patreon monthly uh, Q&A. Thank you guys for contributing, and uh, any of you new Patreons, if you're listening, be sure to ask your question uh, every... Uh, I think we do it at the end of the month, so you know you can start for the, the month of July, and we will get to them by the end of July. Yes, drop your questions in the Discord, and if you're not comfortable or just for whatever reason don't want to join the Discord, um, send it to us on Patreon. You can send us messages through the Patreon page, and uh, we will read them through there. All right, so it is time. If you've patiently been waiting to hear the review of Redline, now is the time. Uh, we had to get through all of that. We are here to talk about a, not a big classic, but 2009, uh, 2009's Red Line by Studio Madhouse. I'm here with going to tell you the quick synopsis, which is actually two paragraphs, so we got quite a bit to read here about okay. the movie. All right. All right. Feel free to um, ad lib and adjust if you feel you need to. <laughs> okay. I got you. So every five years, an exhilarating race called Red Line is held, and the universe's most anticipated competition has only one rule, that there are none. Wow. 
That's, ba, ba, that's ba. good. Racers are pushed to their absolute limit, a feeling that daredevil driver JP knows all too well. Having just qualified to participate in Redline, he is eager to battle against the other highly skilled drivers, particularly the beautiful rising star and the only other human that qualified, Sonashi McLaren, like McLaren the racer. I get that. Exactly. I like that. That was very nice. Very nice. That was a good callback, huh? huh. But this ah. year's Red Line may be far more dangerous than usual. It has been announced to take place on the planet Robo World, where it's trigger-happy military and criminals who look to turn the face to their own advantage. Oh, the race to their own advantage. My bad. I'm dyslexic. Um, <laughs> however, the potential danger doesn't stop the racers. In fact, it only adds to the thrill. Relying solely on his vehicle speed, JP prepares for the event to come, aiming to take first place in the biggest race of his life. Um, Hell yeah. So if yeah, there's a lot of uh, build up there, a lot of ominous, like oh my god, the most dangerous race of all time. Uh, the quick background, um, I believe we're gonna probably mention it a lot, but uh, Redline took a full seven years to create and used more than a hundred thousand frames in production. When finally complete, it made its debut at the 2009 Lacarna International Film Festival, more than a year before it came to the Japanese theaters. So. Um, yeah, a lot of, it definitely took a long time to create this and, uh, went through a lot of, uh, uh, jumps, you know, to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. So you said at the beginning that this film is a classic and I, I think it, it definitely It'll be a classic that. in the future. Well, so th this is an interesting movie because like we talked about before we've talked about like sort of the stranger might not have been like a major crazy like it might not have been a ghibli box office success but you know it uh it did it did well enough bones wasn't like wow can't do that again um princess mononoke obviously it's studio ghibli it it made plenty it's the of disney of anime <laughs> but then we get to like redline and this almost bankrupted madhouse like it, it almost tanked the legendary studio that is madhouse because of the years of production the Did you know the budget was more it. than Princess Mononoke? Yeah, I exactly. Thirty do. million dollars for this 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 one here, and I looked up the numbers for Princess Mononoke, and it was only twenty three point five million. Yeah, I remember you saying that actually. And the crazy thing is, yeah, I looked at like how much because um, Madhouse is definitely more of what we call a cult classic. It more got of a cult following uh, DVD release wise because it only made eight point two million in theaters. Yeah. And Princess Mononoke made almost a hundred and seventy million dollars in theaters. So yeah, pretty so, big difference. Uh, and sort of the stranger uh, we were talking about. I, I they would tell they told me what the they made for the box office, which it wasn't a big uh, film to be released in movie theaters, but. It didn't say how much it cost. I couldn't find it no matter how much I looked. So I doubt it. It could not have been. Obviously, it wasn't as much as Redline because Redline is fucking outdoing. No, no, no. Outdoing out, out fucking Ghibli films. But, like, sorry, fucking motorcycles. God damn it. I, 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 I hate living next to the road. Anyway, um, but I think what I was getting at is um, with with the kind of box office flop that Red, that Redline ended up being, it it almost has to be considered a cult classic because you know most classics you think of blew up at the time and stayed popular like that's what made them a classic but then you have things like out here in the west we have like rocky horror picture show never made a bunch of money when it was released but then you can pack out theaters with people who dress up like the characters and fucking sing along and shit that's i think that's where redline's at as far as like it's it's legacy gotcha 
but yeah, I just I think it's wild that I love the fact that it was such a passion project. Like I don't love the fact that it almost tanked Madhouse. Like we all we we've talked about it very we've talked about it a lot recently. Studio Madhouse is fucking awesome. They've put out great anime. They consistently get good staff to work on that anime. It's great. But the fact that this was such a passion project that it almost tanked the fucking studio makes me just know at least regardless of whether or not you like this anime like the people who created it the fucking director the the minds behind this anime they love this anime so that makes me appreciate it a little bit more i'd say no absolutely they it's um it was a big undertaking that's for sure and they weren't going they they when it says 100,000 frames and you know you see the budget they definitely wanted this to come through and i think this this movie, it's a good thing it's a movie because um, for me, uh, we can get into a little bit. I find the plot, and we've talked about this like a couple days ago before we did this whole podcast episode, that I, I think it's really lacking in plot more than any of the other films, in my opinion. They tried to cram too many things to make it kind of make sense where I only cared about the race, you know, everything that was so thrilling about the opening sequence of this film, like... 10 minutes in, like uh, the whole 10 minutes was literally a race going on called the yellow line, which is just before the red line. And it was intense and immediately got like fast and furious vibes mixed with speed racer and like basically a little hint of cocaine because there's just so much <laughs> infused energy. Definitely and, upper drugs. Definitely Oh, I mean, uppers. I'm watching this thing and I was getting pumped. They had the EDM fucking hip hop or whatever techno music going and I was entranced. I was like, yo, it's like, it was like the beginning of Promare. It was a colorful delight. Um, And the animation in this, this thing is so incredible. But I, yeah, I just found the story quite lacking. Uh, And I so, feel like maybe that's what, could have made it wrong with the budget or at least what didn't bring a lot of people to the movie theaters maybe so i definitely so we did talk about this before we started recording um a few days ago and i when we had originally talked i was like i think this is the best story um and you were like what the fuck (laughs) yeah i've definitely reflected on that and i will recant that statement this is definitely not the best written story that we have that we have watched um but i i will stand by the fact that like i was more engaged by this film than any of the others like and i loved sort of the stranger was amazing princess mononoke might have changed my life bubble was pretty good um but i like how you ended that bubble was pretty good (laughs) yeah yeah so like what the hell was i saying I really lost. I lost whatever I was thinking by making the bubble joke. <laughs> no, it was, you were just talking about Redline and it basically being um, the most one that you got engaged to, like really connected. Exactly. To, even though, yeah. So, like, out of all this, like, I was, I was just my eyes were glued to the screen one hundred percent of the time. I needed to know what was happening and and i think but were you glued to the screen only when the big racing scenes for like 40 50 minutes of the film were happening because you can't be glued when basically people are just talking well not necessarily that's where i'm trying to tell you it's what it wasn't fully engaging but what i think the film did and this is what i've I've seen i've watched some reviews on it um and and i think this is what they were going for whether or not it hit for certain members of the audience or not but 
they had the start, which you mentioned, it was this yellow line. It was the big, it was this big and crazy race. That's just like high octane. And we're going to fucking go from zero to a hundred. But then you have this like big kind of dead space where it's kind of character building a lot of backgrounds, a lot of just, just scenery. A lot of the times just, just kind of what feels like dead space. But what they were trying to go for and what it did for me is it built that anticipation for the final race, the red line. The more that the characters built up their kind of stories, whether, you know, I know they weren't completely fleshed out, but the more I got to learn about JP and Sonashi and like the everything that was going on and the, you know, you see Robo World and they're getting ready to fuck around and you're like, oh, okay. It just felt like it was, it, to for lack of a better term, it felt like, uh, fucking edging and then you're about ready to have the best orgasm of your life like it was just like yes yes <laughs> i'm ready for this oh you're gonna talk about that i because i'm ready because i know that this crazy big final what ends up being a half an hour long race is coming at the end and it i think it did well because i think if it was 100 percent action the entire hour 40 minutes i think it would have become fairly stale so I think starting it off that way and ending it that way, personally, I was down for that choice. Um, but I can I can definitely understand how the dead space in the middle can probably turn some people off. I think it turned off the general audience, like you were saying, you know, and the story is kind of batshit. You know, it's all over the place. They introduce a lot of elements. There are things that aren't really taken care of. There are certain, like, plot holes, but... Uh... I didn't I didn't even notice any of them at first and after they were pointed out I was still like it didn't ruin the experience for me. Right, and that's when you find that you're it's a it's one of the types the genres of the way of storytelling you enjoy. And when I'm watching this I even knew how this would make you feel because you look at the animation, very JoJo-esque to me, but over even higher than that because of the budget they had. You have overdone but also creatively looking stylish character like models for everybody even like the side characters like it's just crazy and ridiculous just like joe everything screamed it had the energy and the drive and the like jp is like i have the thrill of racing just like gurren lagan so everything hits so even if you have weak points just like you've done for a lot of anime you've enjoyed you're not gonna find those as big flaws so i get it i'm not gonna say that it's bad and I, I have a lot of positives to say about this show it's just i can also sit back and realize that you know it's it definitely has some lacking areas so uh, yeah and i can i can acknowledge that more now than i could when we talked before because yeah. i had just watched <laughs> the movie and i was like bro that blew my mind and you were like yeah that was pretty that was good I was like, good. Why would you, <laughs> you insult my bitch. favorite show? <laughs> We're not doing the podcast tonight. <laughs> yeah. So um, before we get uh, any further, uh, definite deep, deep spoilers. We're talking about everything right here. So if you've stayed this far and you haven't watched it, when you've been warned officially now. Can't blame us. Um, so when JP got massacred, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> when JP's fucking balls blew up because of C4, that was a cool scene. So, yeah, what I, what I do like about this story, and I'll say, because, you know, we don't have to touch on it. People that are listening on know what goes on, but it, it kind of reminded me a lot of Megalobox. We have a guy here, JP, that is doing races, and you find out he's technically racing for the mob. One of his buddies has been gotten far into debt, and they're racing to win money, and then usually by the end of the race, his boy uh, named Frisbee, which is, is really funny. That is kind um, of a weird name. 
rigs up his car so it's it's gonna blow up because jp can't help himself but try to win these races and frisbee makes it so he won't win because they're trying to clear their debt so it reminded me a lot of megalobox in a way where he's selling his fights you know taking losses it's not to the same level but i got a lot of that vibe you it's have the same idea the story is the same idea it's like yeah gearless joe do... is a guy that like just yeah. wants to die live life in the fast lane adrenaline and jp just wants to go fast you know yeah they're they're both trying to win the be the best in their respective sport and they're I guess manager or buddy gets them into like the shady part of it. So yeah, I, I drew those comparisons too. 100%. Yeah, and, and when it starts out with that and it's the race, like this is like a good formula, most uh, entertaining, very high octane action movies do. They start you off with the action. So you'll be already hooked onto it. And for a little while after uh, it keeps your, your attention still because you find out that, you know, once he crashes all that because of his buddy, his buddy comes, shows that he's paid off his debts, but he's pissed at his buddy, but yet he just lets it go. Where yeah, I'm just going to let you know, Earthworm, if you ever blow up my car and risk me dying, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. I so, feel that. I feel that. <laughs> he was so cool with his boy letting him down and like blowing up his car. It's like, no, you don't just do that. So I don't know if he knew he blew up his car. See, that I, I feel like JP didn't know that there was a bomb there because the way his car was running, like, the idea of him are you sure because he tire. seemed like he knew because he was like hey i paid off your debts and then he was just like don't even talk to me so maybe it's like he knew i know that the 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 bomb that was planted in this car for the red line he didn't yeah. know about he had no idea about that one. yeah so no they didn't know about that one yeah so i want to talk about yellow line for a little bit because you mentioned it's just this batshit crazy start to the to this anime mm. but like so the, let's talk about the first scene like the opening scene it's again this very empty kind not like empty but it feels kind of dead even though there's a bunch of stuff going around it's very quiet you see some fucking dog people on motorcycles doing their thing i thought it was going to be a furry anime i'm not gonna lie i was like wait is this a furry anime i did (laughs) too uh but it just happened to be that one random planet that they were on but like you see you see like people fucking remember, remember that scene when they were like uh those weird dudes smoking that hookah and their cheeks oh, yeah, got people all super do, big. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a bunch of things. It was definitely like crazy ass like ideas uh, going on in that opening scene. I just love the creativity there, and like there was just so much going on on screen. But again, it somehow felt dead. I was like, this is wonderful. And then uh, you break kind of that feeling with the kid. I love the kid and his dad. I just I love him so much. Come on, dad, dad. It's right over here. I found a spot. Come on. Come on, dad. You got you got to you got to show the camera, dad. Come on, get a picture. And the dad's just fucking being dragged along by this poor kid. Yeah, he's just a super fan of the races and he's just like, "God damn it." It's just I I thought it was wonderful. I love the creativity of the characters. It's like you're never going to see any of these people again, but it set the scene. It lets you it kind of let me know like when the mob shit started coming in didn't catch me off guard because I already saw people kind of doing some shady shit around the race. So I was like, all right, that makes sense that the mob is into this. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, my issues were when they started adding this like military government robo world where Redline is being hosted, there was essentially yeah. this government that is hosting it doesn't want to be hosting it because they're worried people are going to find out about their secret plans of coming up with a secret weapon because they are planning on world domination and taking over the entire 
galactic empires from what I'm gathering. And then there is this princess girl that essentially helps run the races that is like always um, going at it with these people that are from Robo World. They tried to make it a type of like a mobile suit Gundam type of feel. Like there's governments at work here, you know, shady shit like you're mentioning on top of this mafia thing. While I just simply would have accepted a simple mafia racing story about this guy trying to win. That, to me, yeah. uh, is more fitting for a movie. For a series, for something that has more time to really get into it, I, I would have totally accepted a little bit of a political conflict. But I don't know. You can explain to me what you thought of it, but uh, the whatever... I forgot his name, like the evil Robo World government guy. Um, Robo Hitler. Like they were Robo Nazis. That his, no, that's they were not fascist. His name. They were fucking fascist. So, yes, yeah, so there's fascism in this uh, show. Oh, yeah. Like they, these guys are super fascist. But, like, before I uh, get into how I felt about the Robo World guys, um, I just want to say, like, there's one line that he says that's funny as hell. He's like, when they finally announce that it's going to be on Robo World, their leader's like, we are committed to peace in this galaxy, and if you step one foot on our planet, we will blow you all up and kill every <laughs> single one of you. And I was like, that is the most fascist thing I've ever heard. Like, we are peaceful, or we'll By the way, did you, you watch the sub or the dub? I watched the dub. Okay, so we both watched the dub, because, yeah, I, I thought it wasn't bad at all, and I like the guy who voiced JP, so. Yeah. Yo, I, uh, I actually really like the dub. I mean, I... So I did, through some research and some video essays, I found out that the dub did take some American liberties, as they tend to do. Like that one scene where the robot guy was like, I don't care how you do it, just take care of that cosplaying reject. Like, I don't, that wasn't the line actually in Japan. They just kind of took some localization there. Yeah, you you can always tell a little bit. Like, I don't think someone from Japan would do that line, so. Yeah, yeah, just, uh. So, but that didn't bother me. Like, I don't mind little localization like that. Maybe it's just because, like, that's what Yu Yu Hakusho did, and I ended up really liking it in Yu Yu Hakusho. But, uh, yeah, it just doesn't bother me like it does some people. But uh, keep that in mind if you are thinking about checking out the dub and you hate localization. But, uh, so as far as, like, Robo World as a whole, like, yeah, you're right. Their introduction really just kind of made the plot messy, and I I get that, and I get why you feel that way, but at this point, for me, I was all, like, I was ready for fucking wacky races, and I was like, man, you tell me you already got this, like, crazy death race, and you're gonna add a government that does not want you to do this race where you're doing it, and are going to, like, try at, at all costs to kill you? That's just more action. Like, at this point, I this was a popcorn action flick for me um, as far as, like, the story went. And I was like, let's go. The more batshit stuff you can add, the better. Mm. So I get it, though. Like, yeah, adding the, the space fucking... The space politics wasn't necessary here. It definitely muddied things up. But, yeah, you know, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, what can you do? <laughs> There's some things I would do, but, you know, that would be, like, rewriting a whole anime here. Yeah. So. So. Yo, oh, after you. You owe me you. a Coke now. Look at that. I know. Look at us go. Um, no, I was going to talk about JP. We got to talk about at least pretty much the main character next to Sonashi, which is also a main character. Uh, JP, I will say, is um, I'm, out of all the characters, and rightly so for the main character, I really liked him. He's uh, pretty cool to me. I like guys like Fearless, uh, Gearless Joe and... 
JP being these people that just want to drive, you know, they trust their friends, they do whatever they have to do, and they just say, let me do what I love to do, and I'll get it done. And so I liked his pretty much his his character, and I loved the motivation to why he did what he did, because technically you find out through Sonashi is that she was his inspiration. So I liked all of that. That is nothing but a positive. So I didn't know what you thought about JP. I really like JP. Um, I think I even said like he reminds me of you a little bit, but maybe that's just I, because it's JP. Well, you know, and JD, JD, JP, you know. Yeah, I like I to don't go know. fast. <laughs> um, and I also thought he was called Smooth JP, not Sweet JP at first, and I was like, oh, that's like JP Smooth, the the funny <laughs> comedian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was wrong there. Um, no, I mean, come on, man. You're asking me if I liked JP. First of all, he has a pompadour, so that's a 10 out of 10 character right there. Um, yeah. Second of all, he dresses like a fucking, like a punk rocker from the 70s streets of England. That's a 10 out of 10 character design right there. Um, And then third of all, he drives a fucking Trans Am. And I'm never oh, been the Trans, Trans Am, Am had me. God damn. Well, you I'm, know, if you ever watched uh, uh, was Smokey and the Bandit with the Trans Am, God, yeah, it yeah. made everybody want a Trans Am at that point. Oh, dude, like, I, I love... um. I love the Trans Am and the Firebirds logo on the on the. I love the bird and shit, dude. That shit's fire. Um, no pun intended. But um, yeah. I mean, come on. JP is my. He's like a fucking character, handmade, built for me. Uh, I I I loved every second of him. I like the fact that he's like. He's my like ideal of masculinity, because he's like. He's not this fucking toxic asshole masculinity where it's like, I'm a fucking big badass. I'm an alpha male. Um, but obviously, like, you look at him and you see nothing but, like, he just exudes manly spirit. But then there are times, especially with Sonashi, where he's, like, sweet and kind of seductive, but not in a creepy way or not in a Well, you know, he wanted he, he wanted that ass. That That's oh, for yeah. sure. He, he was flirting the whole entire time, which I don't blame him. Sonashi has a great design. Holy shit. Uh, another waifu for me. Um, but that, the, that's way, for sure. the way he flirted with her, again, it wasn't like creepy and it wasn't no. like, I want to eat your ass, girl. It was like, <laughs> he was just talking to her, but it, normally, like the words he was saying were normal, but the tone and the body language he was using was sexy as fuck. And it's like Masculinity. that is... That is fucking how it was like this very masculine, but also soft man. And it's like he cares about his hair, but also like he's a tough bastard. It was it was wonderful. I love JP. Um, what do you think about Sonashi? Like you said, dude, wife of material. <laughs> and um, I just to let the horny out for a minute. Uh, the fact that they just showed her hanging out in her apartment topless was like it was wonderful. That was just <laughs> I was so happy that this anime added a little 10 second scene just for the hornies like me, dude. I was like, thank you. You see me, you appreciate me. I see you and appreciate you. Um, so that didn't hurt, but like, yeah, dude, she's, um, again, like she's not like the most in-depth character, but there's something about her much like JP. It's like, she's kind of mysterious. Um, she has that really smoothness to her, but at the end of the day, she's like a competitor, you know? She wants to go out, she wants to motherfucking win this goddamn race, and there's always something super attractive about about a competing woman to me, just someone, I, I like that drive of competition. And the funny thing is, in like the yellow line, she was going to lose to JP, but of course, uh, her his boy Frisbee rigged it and blew it up, so when she won, you know, she's obviously 
riding off the success. She's like treating JP when she first meets him. Like, oh, who are you? Are you that guy I beat? You know, she's all high and mighty. And then quickly as she starts to, you know, get to learn more about JP, get to talk to him, you can see that she starts letting down that guard. Because when you first get to, you know, see her and hear her talk, you're like, yeah, she's kind of a little bit of a, a bitch about it because she's just so high up, and mighty. You know? Yeah, stuck yeah, up. Yeah. I'm nothing but a winner. But as you see a little bit more in the in the film, and then you get to see the past where she was trying to be the rest, be, I mean, not the rest, the best racer that she could be. Uh, and there was a flashback where she crashed and she was trying to pull herself out. She would not give up and say, well, I, I went out of bounds. I'm done. I can't get my car out. She was like, I got to be the best. And, you know, she even broke down to tears. It showed the commitment and the drive. So I'm like, all right, you're not just some stuck up woman. And I, I love that. I love what she represented there. So. Yeah, and, like, just character design-wise, like, the two-tone hair, I never thought, like, very, mint green, very dude. light mint green and pink would ever go together, but fuck me. We're doing it here in Redline, and it worked, goddammit. It worked. Yeah. And the colors, that's what I mean. Let's, let's just mention the animation. Like you said, there's a reason why we have a lot of frames, and the budget for this is ridiculous. It's Yeah. Uh, there's so, a lot of colors going on. And I want to mention something about the frames. So, this isn't... We, we say frames and I don't know if this is obvious because it wasn't to me, but like today, like there's a uh, there's a difference between CGI and like traditional animation. But still, the quote unquote traditional animation is done on a computer. It's just not computer generated. It's just drawn through tablet or whatever. Right. Um, This was a hunt over a hundred thousand hand drawn frames like they did it like old school cell animation. I could tell so, this was definitely old school, though. Yeah, maybe that's why, like, I'm definitely, maybe that's why I'm so apologetic to this anime, much like I am Akira, because I see just the quality of craftsmanship that went into it, and it's almost like, once you get that to a certain level for me, I almost don't care about the story. It's like, if High School DxD looked like this, it might be my favorite anime. See, it's crazy for me, because I love what this is doing, but... If I go to old fashioned and like the hard work and the amount of effort that went into Akira and like the ton of like in depth frames and how they made shit look even back in the day, I enjoy that look more than Redlines, even though Redlines is beautiful, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I think just because I like the old style design, I loved Sword of the Stranger because I also like that type of art style. I like yeah. that. So it's like it doesn't need to be the most expensive. Uh, you know, shit ever. So I appreciate Redline, but to me, in a way, I don't need it this crazy. But that's just me. I understand that. I, I really do. Um, and you're you're more of a realist guy as far as like art goes. Like that, you love sort of the stranger because it tells like uh, I like a, seeing the woods, all that background yeah. shit, that like nature. I yeah, I love like Princess Mononoke. Like when you were describing like why you like it so much and what they did with the you know the leaves dying and coming back. It's like that's yep. true. That's like everything beautiful and nature that I love. And I was like, that's why it's <laughs> it's amazing. So. But, like, I, I find myself, I do love that Princess Mononoke, and I love realist art and, like, things that are, you know, nature and shit, but I also love that crazy absurdist shit. I'm the JoJo fan of the podcast. You like it well enough? It I, I fucking inject that shit into my veins. Yes, um, you do. Can I have another, sir? <laughs> and this is, like, Studio Trigger and JoJo's had a fucking baby. And so, like, I yeah, I... I this art style is like right up my alley. It's bright. It's colorful. It's wacky. It's, I love the dark lines and like just the shadows and the quality of the, like the shadows and the character design. Like, 
I, I talk a lot about, like, I like when animation is willing to go off model for fluidity. But I like it even better when they can do both. And this anime did it. Like, every movement that these fucking characters did, they were on the same, like, proportions of... that. Like, nothing changed. It wasn't like you had that one frame in the middle of Naruto where it just fucking Pain's face looks like a Looney Tune getting smashed. Which I don't hate that. Only matters if you pause it, boys. <laughs> exactly. And I'm 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 on that camp, but it just I'm I think it speaks so much to the quality that you can have you can have both if you're willing to put seven years and thirty million dollars into it. And um, I am not. <laughs> I get that, dude. Just like, like we said when uh what was it? We were talking about uh uh jobless reincarnation. Please don't take yeah. as long as you did, but if you do, I understand, but damn it, I can't wait that long. No, like for a series, I wouldn't. I like. I'm not waiting. My I'm not holding my breath for Red Line Two. I am <laughs> holding my breath for Mashoko Tensei Season Two or Part Four or whatever it is nowadays. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, whatever. I don't know, but yeah, like that Red Line really blew me away with its art style, its aesthetic. Um, I mean, I love the. I don't know if you noticed this as much as I did, but the way it like. Not just movement it per- it portrays, but it por- the way it portrays like inertia in that G force when you when he pops oh, his yeah. fucking cap of nitrous and you see his hair start to get like long and the screen kind of goes with him and he, he his face every time he gets like scared. Yeah, exactly. What I'm gonna say is like when the animation to me like popped my boner and started getting me into it is because as much as. And there's a lot of crazy shit. There's a lot of downtime. But the crazy shit is when, like, he was popping this yellow nitrous and when the racing is getting crazy. And, yeah, whenever it got faster, just like Fast and Furious, all of a sudden you got to hold on more. The G-forces pull you back. It shows, like, his hair kind of sliding back. Everything goes with the motion that would really happen. So even though it's going crazy over the top, it's also keeping to said actuality, you know, with gravity and everything else and G-forces. So that was really well done. I I loved all of that. Yeah, no, I, um, and I knew you'd, like, if nothing else, I knew you'd love the crazy action sequences in this, uh, That's why I was here for this, anime. this movie. I did not, like, while you were like, nothing will stop me, I still like this whole story, I was just like, when is the fucking race? Like, please, just- I get that. Get to the race. <laughs> I, I, I understand how you could feel that. You know what it is? This is the Chimera Ant arc all over again with us. You're like, get to the castle. But Chimera like, Ant oh, arc actually had a pretty good story by the end. <laughs> I know, but it, I'm saying like the length. You're like, just get to the race in the Chimera Ant arc. You're like, just get to the king. Let's go. Yeah, all just right? get to the king. Exactly. Um, so uh, I, I guess we'll talk about like some side characters real quick before we get on to some more like plot stuff. There's um, not many. <laughs> there's not a whole hell of a lot. But like, um, so we have Frisbee. He's he's kind of the he's the best friend who got into the mob. Um. But along with him, we have the other mechanic. I don't remember his name, um, but he's like the guy with the fucking two uh, the two sets of arms or whatever, and he's got the really long body. He's like some sort of bug dude. Yeah, he's definitely weird looking, and I can't remember his name either because these characters really come and go. Frisbee, I just knew because of his name being kind of like easy to to follow, um, and he was like a big part of JP's like team. Um, so I don't know his other, yeah, his mechanic guy, obviously him. We'll just call him old man. Old we'll man. Call, yeah. Cause that's what JP called him. Um, but I liked him, dude. Like we talked about in the sword of the stranger, um, but like anime doesn't any show, any media doesn't necessarily have to do things differently. You can do tropes. You just have to do them well. 
Um, and I think that as far as like the whole mob and like um, mechanics thing went, I think it, I think they, I liked the tropes that they picked, you know, they had the, the young gun who's like a really good mechanic, but got into some shady shit. You got the old kind of sensei guy who like is, is kind of one of the peers and he's helping the young bucks out, but he's the, he's the more voice of reason. I just enjoyed their whole like dynamic in the shop, even if it was kind of short lived and you didn't get a whole lot of it. I think you got enough, you know? Yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, the thing that it does is that, like any race, they got to introduce you to a lot of side characters of the other um, racers. And those split seconds, kind of like introductions for like football players or any type of sports thing, I enjoyed. And they had fun I with it. I thought they were like, cool they, as hell. Yeah. I thought they, they were so cool. And that's my issue with this film. They wanted to get this whole government thing going on. They had to kind of create a small, light love story between JP and Sonashi, as well as why JP races because he cares. about. And what they did to me is like the racing that happens in the final part of this film. I wanted to kind of get a little more connected to all these cool side characters that have like interesting backgrounds and they, they have different vehicles and you kind of want to know a little bit more to kind of like connect to like this big, all like death defying race where people can die. And it, uh, it just was very, um, short-lived in a way and it's like that's why i mean the side characters it's really basically just jp's team and i i can't even remember all their names it's just um yeah i liked them i liked all the introductions i liked seeing those side characters especially i think his name was machine head machine head dude hell yeah he's he's literally a machine (laughs) so we haven't talked about the music much um but first of all the music in this anime in my opinion was fucking amazing um all these movies have slapped with music And they've all yeah. been different types. Princess Mononoke was like that, I don't know, like I said, Lord of the Rings orchestral type of like sound. We had Bubble, which was like EDM, but also it just incorporated it more with the animation you watch. Sword of the yeah. Stranger was like that time period of the Sengoku. Uh, it was really good. And then this one was like EDM, like I'm going to do cocaine off of this chick's ass all or something. over the map, dude. <laughs> Every I loved um. So it did this kind of thing. It didn't do it like every time, but there were often times where like JP would be on screen and he'd have his like drum beat or whatever. And then Sonashi would be on screen and you'd hear like a vocal part come in because she's on screen. And then you'd fucking have Machine Head on screen. And you'd yeah. be like, Machine Head. <laughs> Just um, to let you know who this is. Yeah. And I love that was some of my favorite stuff when like you had the every kind of every character had their own little theme song, no matter if they were in there for like 10 seconds of screen time, or they had like a, actually a few minutes of screen time. Like each character had their own little theme, something that like different made the music different for them when they were on screen. And like machine head had someone sing his name. And then remember when the two guys were infiltrating the satellite, I don't remember their names either, but they, uh, yeah. they it sang their names when they were like floating into space. Oh, it I didn't like, even notice that actually. It was like Carl and Bert or whatever the <laughs> fuck their names were. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's be- it's just so it's the little things in these in these that like it's it's quality, but it's also like funny too. It's great. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if we don't want to get to the final race point. Um uh, unless you have anything else to talk about certain characters. Because, like, that middle point, like I said, it's mostly about JP trying to set up to, you know, get prepared for this race, as well as Frisbee's doing his little shady deals in between here uh, with the mob guy and stuff like that. But 
like I said, I, I tried to pay attention, but I just really didn't feel like I, I got too much out of this whole middle point of the movie. Um, for me, I just was, I was kind of down for JP and Sonashi. I was all right with their conversations. Like it was really adult take, like you said, he wasn't being creepy. Uh, so I felt a little bit of their connection, but other than that, I, I was just ready for the race. So I guess, I, I guess really what I got from that is like the, the character building and the, the romance building between JP and Sonashi, like you said, and the, you got a little, did you bit truly of... though feel like it was really good romance building or, uh, you know, I'm. I'm just for, wondering. I know you're more of like that sucker for any kind of like love and romance, but do you think it was well done? Uh I think even if it was just visually, um and it's what I praised my dress up darling for, but the sexual tension, the the the, the tension between the two of them, I could feel there was I could feel the chemistry. Um I don't feel like it's the same level as my dress up darling. No. No, cuz that's sure, like but... that's more of a juvenile thing and it puts me in a, like a nostalgia feeling personally. Um and it's it's longer and you get more of it, but for for what little actual interaction we got to see between JP and Sonashi, I thought they did a wonderful job of priming us for that that story beat of them being a romantic kind of uh, being romantic interests. Yeah. Okay. But and so we had that, and um, like I said, just character building between like J JP and his crew. Like, you got to learn, you know, if you wouldn't have seen much more of Frisbee, um, you would have just thought he was, like, a shitty friend and a mob guy. But you got to see just enough of him, I thought, to to make him kind of sympathetic. And, you you know, you almost thought that he was, like, really... He wasn't going to fuck around uh, in this final race. You come to find out that he was indeed fucking around in this final race. Um, but, you know, he, he, he does the right thing. Uh, but I just, yeah, I just, last I minute like... he decides, I'm not going to blow up, uh, I'm not going to blow up the bomb. Yeah, like I again, I don't think the the big dead space in the middle blew me away by any means, but um I think it did enough for the characters to get me interested in them and to give me just enough information and um and I think it built hype for the race to come. I think that's what that's what it did best. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. Well, so my whole take here on the ending of this is uh this is the 10 out of 10 for the show. Uh, and it's like the last 30 minutes of the show and that's the race itself. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause <laughs> basically this whole time, uh, the mechanic, which we, the old man and basically Frisbee have been hooking up JP with this Trans Am with, I forgot what type of motor they called it, but it's it, like it was like an anti-gravity much, engine or some crazy shit. Yeah. Like something that, that are like JP would need more time to practice. And JP's like, no, you're just going to put me in it and we're going to drive the bitch. And I love yeah. that because, uh, I'm, I am a pure, like adrenaline junkie when it comes to like racing. I do enjoy engines and stuff. I just don't have the money to invest and do that in real life. I mean, but I would have you a, sit your ass down and drive? What I drive going like Mach 1? No. horsepower. <laughs> no, I would not do that because I would need to practice this guy's a professional and also it's an anime so the likelihood of death is a lot less that's in this so anime much than horsepower in real life. though <laughs> it's 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 it was, ridiculous was it 3600 or did he bump it up to 36,000 i don't remember. i don't remember i'd have number. to look up how much horse it was it was an ungodly amount to where like the mechanics is like you're, you're an idiot this isn't a good idea and jp's like uh we gotta win don't we because the only way you can keep up with everybody in redline was to do this and uh yeah, so when the race finally commences and all this going on, it is legit a like thirty minute race. Uh, there's some yeah. crazy shit going on in the middle where the government's getting involved and 
the creature or this project. I don't, I forgot what it was. This crazy project they've been keeping on the planet escapes, and it's like this creature that can just like destroy the whole world with like one blast. And it looked like essentially a lab-made Godzilla. It was made out of like nuclear energy, and it just looked like this crazy monster monstrosity. That, Which uh, it was locked yeah. away. Like, how the fuck did they think that having a race around their planet was gonna make the governments know about the secret project? If you just kept it underground, I feel like you would have been fine. So, probably, dude. You know what, man? Um, trying to understand what robot fascists are thinking is not the easiest thing <laughs> in the world to do. It's a good thing we don't have that, okay? So Yeah. No, we just have real human fascists. Yay. <laughs> but either way, so yeah, in the middle of the race, like it becomes a mecca where all of a sudden like one of the governor's generals has to step in and like become a mecca himself to fight the creature and like morph with it. It's like it gets to an absurd level. Like all I could think of was like this is like the ending of Gurren Lagan. Like yeah. shit but, is like, starting turned to up go nuts. Ten times, dude. Like it's yeah. way crazier. <laughs> You got Machine Head and all these different racers like trying to destroy each other, basically like Death Race. I th- I just thought of Death Race, and uh, essentially, if Redline wasn't about crazy death-defying racing, I probably would have not liked this film even at all. And it really saved it because I'm just an adrenaline uh, driving fast cars or doing crazy shit type of junkie. If it was like a mecha with robots more, I probably wouldn't have liked it either, but it was racing. So I was all in. So, yeah. And like, again, I'm not the biggest racing fan out there, um, but I do like a good competition and I love a main character who just loves that feel of competition. Uh, So yeah, like I didn't like volleyball before high Q. It's the same idea. Like I'm full blown invested at this point in this fucking race, especially after you're going to buy Trans Am now, (laughs) bro. I know, but I might, I'm probably going to buy this on Blu-ray, even though I do not have (gasps) anything that can make, that can play a Blu-ray. Like my Xbox disc reader is is toast. It does not work anymore. Do it anyway, because I bought Sword of the Stranger and I you saw could that. buy Redline. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have another movie night and watch the same things again. <laughs> yeah, let's go, dude. Um, so dude, as you said, like the the final race, the red line itself is absolutely batshit crazy. Um, I I don't even know if this is a complaint, but it's something I noticed. It was literally impossible in ninety percent of the race to see everything that was happening on screen. You could only focus on so much. Was that my me problem, or did you find that as well? Well, I'm not trying to brag. Trust me. Just let you know. I'm not trying to <laughs> okay. brag. But All right. Humble brag. But just let you know ahead. But you you did come over and watch Promare with me, and I got that big-ass TV. I don't know yep. if that helped, but I felt like I saw a lot. Like it was so visually stunning, like bubble for me. But that's what I mean. Like when the race finally happened, every like negative I had was like, okay, this is why I was waiting this long. I got to I just, see a lot of it. And when the music was playing, and then the like the when he's you know like, doing the boosters like for the NOS and stuff, and like going like super fast around corners, it looked great. I saw a lot, so I didn't have that problem. <laughs> So. so I watched it on a 24-inch TV. That which, is probably maybe an idiot. You had to focus on, like, one little spot. I don't know. But, but like, also, I can see the whole screen, like, in, in yeah. one shot. Like, your your TV, like, I, I get what you're saying, but it's also, I find, with me at least, with bigger TVs, I end up kind of missing parts of the screen because it's not all in my, like, peripheral view. You know oh, what I mean? I just but use, I, I have a big field of view. <laughs> fair. But, like, I, I just... When things were going on, there was one, I think it was when they were dropping in, 
to the planet specifically um, to start the race. Uh, and there was like fucking 80 layers of ships and cars and debris. And I was trying to focus on all of it. And I just at some point I, I told myself, I'm like, Earthworm. Oh, when he was bobbing not... and weaving out of the way of all the debris falling and shit. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, who we, we talked about Princess Mononoke and that scene where they bob and weave through the trees. Personally, I think like this was more impressive because it had all that crazy movement going on, but everything was kind of moving independently. You had like f- at one point four or five racers, different racers maneuvering around debris and enemies and attacks all on the screen at the same time. It was absolutely batshit crazy. So maybe that's just me, but like I I didn't it was a complaint from my viewing experience but like again as the qual to the quality of this anime the fact that there's so much shit going on that personally i could not hope to watch it all at, at like one point that that's fucking chef's kiss wonderful thank you mm-hmm. and, and that's what i mean I, I can't stress enough how much this ending was adrenaline adrenaline fueled but uh there was a dead spot for me and i think we mentioned about this when we talked uh, uh before the podcast episode where what really hit me was the whole, like, we got to kind of build a little bit more on Sonashi and JP because they both crash, and pretty much Sonashi's is dead in the water. Her vehicle yeah. is dead in the water. Yeah. So JP's like, you know, I can I can help you, and you can ride with me. And while he's trying to flip his car over, she's leaning on one side so he cannot flip it. And the middle of the race, mind you, and I, I know it's anime where people can talk for about five hours, and it's only been five minutes, but... <laughs> She's basically deciding this is the time I'm going to ask, like, have you been fixing races or have you been losing on purpose? Blah, blah, blah. And we got to really explain, like, why you do what you do. And to me, it killed it. Uh, I also watched this on Amazon. So we've talked about how there was actually ads. And there were some times where yeah. it was like two, three minute ads. And I they popped up. And the same thing. I will admit that did break some of my immersion. That's Yeah, when it happened in the middle of the race, and then you also have, like, you know, her stopping it on her own to like ask JP questions. I got, I got actually pretty upset. I was like out loud. My wife was downstairs just hanging out with me as I'm doing it. She's on her phone. She's not even paying attention, but I'm like, this is fucking stupid. That's what I kept saying. (laughs) Like I am so impatient now with commercials, but then add that to her, like stopping him from like flipping the car over. Like I was getting like physically upset. Like you could see it in my face. Like this is stupid. And I just feel like all this is what slowed down the film because when it went full nuts, I was in. And so that's my only complaint. But I got to say, it's like adrenaline fuel. But that's this is another dead spot for me is where I was just like, you could you could have just talked about this before the race, could have been after the race, before the final like kiss moment. I don't know. It just I didn't like the, you know, you know, there's a race going on, people. Let's get fucking moving. So, yeah, I don't know. I See, to you, I know it doesn't bother you, but to me, I'm like, there's a race right now. I am literally 20 car lengths ahead of you. I I am going to win this race. It's over. So I understand where you're coming. I I get you there. It it has happened to me in other anime where I'm like, this is stupid. Just do something. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue that. I'm just going to say, that's my last gripe. That's my last gripe. Everything else was good by the end of this, but that's the last one. So, like, I guess we should just probably point out some, like, specific moments or scenes from the from the Red Line race that we actually really did enjoy. So, the first one that comes to mind um, is when... So, there were two, like, kind of idol-based uh, racers. 
and uh, they were like the the horny of the show along with Sonashi. And their car, when they're getting attacked by <laughs> Robo World's army, turns into a mecha, and their the cockpits for each of the racers is each titty in the mecha. Each titty, titty flying uh, racing uh, uh, cars. It was nothing but the best. So one more ten out of ten moment for this fucking show. I mean, creativity. I've I've seen some interesting cockpits in mecha anime. Let me tell you, uh, Darling and the Franks, to be ex- to, to, for an example. But this. This broke all the barriers. We're like, we're putting two people in titties. Let's go. Wonderful. Mwah. I like that Machine Head becomes like the machine himself. He is the, the car. Ons. He is the car. I do like that. That that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I think he's like, he's the champion. So there's a reason why he's good. Yeah, he's um, like one. I, I think he's he won like a bunch of red lines in a row. Like he's not just the former champion. Like he wins all the fucking time. Uh, but can, can we just mention like the like to me this was like a JoJo esque moment that I was not mad about because already I've thrown every believable thing out the window. Okay. When the final race between Machine Head, their car is literally nothing but just the cockpit and the basically jet fuel of the last remaining NOS that has come out, yeah. and they basically have nothing protecting them. They're just flying through the air at this point, like head like shoulder to shoulder with Machine Head. And it's like, who's going to win this? And they win the race by the pompadour of JP. Yes. Uh, Come on. I just, I could not. I was like, yes, this is the only way it can end. It's just like, I was not upset that the whole car has been disintegrated. It and they somehow made it out. bro. Like, I, I, I looked at it, too. And I, I did have that thought. I was like, there's no way. I, but I don't care. Like, it's just care. flying through the air off of the pro- propulsion alone and it's still like gaining speed and i'm like all right this is awesome (laughs) yeah exactly oh dude like it was just so fucking wild like i wish there were more moments that i remembered but it was just like there were so many things happening that i i just it's one of those anime that i want to did you happen to watch it again like you said or you haven't yet that's why you want to get a physical copy i didn't get a chance to rewatch the whole thing i started fucking rewatching it but i've just been getting my ass kicked at work recently so i've been just physically beat and i'm like god damn it so i watched part of it and then ads and i'm like you know what I'm just going the fuck to bed. No, no lie, if I'm it ever tired. happens and you get a physical copy and you want to watch it and you want someone to be there, I'll be there because I feel like maybe not having ads, though it's only three minutes, like doing it every like 15, 20 minutes like it was, killed it for me. And Oh, yeah. There was so many moments that happened that race. It's kind of like you can't remember. It all blurred together, and I kind of want to see that 30 minutes again um, uh, for sure. And that's what I mean. It's just like there were a lot of moments I don't remember, but those were the ones that, you know, I remember as well as the big mecha fight with the creature that came out and some of that crazy shit. It's just an all around hell of a time. That's for sure. But I feel like the outside things that happened with like the ads and stuff like that going on for me were like, it just bothered me. So, yeah, I get that. One thing I do remember that was fucking outstanding and it really took the, the feeling of that inertia that we talked about, that feeling of movement and being pulled by speed um when they did when they finally um sonashi's necklace how it was like that special nitrous i don't remember what it was called it was like yellow something yellow no- it was blue yellow NOS. the regular ones were yellow this one was blue oh um, yeah you're right yeah because machine had used one and then sonashi had one 
Yeah, so real quick, a quick aside, I loved the way that Sonashi and JP were sitting in the car. She was, like, cuddled up with him while they were driving. Adorable. Well, you, you only can fit one person in the cockpit, so yeah. I really had to make it work. And then they're, like, driving. They're both stepping on the fucking gas. Like, that was wonderful. But uh, when she's holding him and she fucking grabs her necklace and looks at Machine Head and then looks at JP and she's like, it's fucking time and pops it. And it just blows the fucking doors off the motherfucker. Like, that's... That that is when like the you see him gritting peaked. his teeth as he's like, and you can I, feel I, that, yeah. mm, I love it because every time his face goes from like dead serious, I'm ready for this, and as soon as the fucking speed kicks in, he gets like, uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> shit, see, May lost it here. Seeing him and Sonashi next, like both of them, because you'd never seen it happen to Sonashi. This is a JP only thing, but she's in the cockpit now, so it has to happen. Um. Just, just wonderful. I loved it. And then, like you said, that led into Machine Head literally not just like being part of his machine, but he fused with his machine like 100% at that point. I am Machine Head. Going against this fucking boxcar that's just being propelled. And it's, it's wonderful. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll, I'll ask you, how did you feel about the final, final scene? Because obviously the end of the race, the Pompadour be crossing the finish line. That was wonderful. I liked but it. Did... It's just it was it was a weird ending because they're they're flying through the air and in that middle of the like the air, that's when JP like makes the move and, you know, makes out or gives a kiss to Sonashi and they're kissing as the you know, it fades to like white, I believe. It wasn't black, fade to white because it's like a flash and then that's the end. It's like uh very sudden. Almost like the the writers were like, and that's the point of the story. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it was uh, definitely, I wasn't upset, but also I was like, see, that's why you didn't need all this government bullshit because obviously you didn't care enough to explain any further. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we didn't even mention that that princess girl or the one that's like in charge of the two girls with the titty mechs or whatever, who's like, she looks like a lolly, but essentially she's like the queen. And what oh, she yeah. says there goes. There was a lolly in this anime. <laughs> yeah. There was and a lot she, of shit and her ship anime. becomes the final ramp to drive to the ending of the oh, red line. Okay. Yes, that's right. Cause they sprinkle all the pink, like cloud dust or whatever. And everybody's yeah, like, what's so that it's like for? cool. But once again, they, they add this element, like she's in charge or she does what ends. It just ends. And it's just nothing. Nothing feels like it was fully concluded. Like they, they, they didn't even make a small story in a big world. They tried to make a story and they're like, well, technically this is just about the race. So let's just end it. We're, we're out of budget. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it felt just different, but that's me. I, I get you. Like it wasn't my favorite ending, but I think for, like you said, all the batshit stuff that's happened by the end of it, you're ready for literally anything like a fucking orangutan could have popped out taken a shit on the screen and then done a backflip to be honest screen. if it ended like that this would probably be a 10 out of 10 anime so yeah you would have been like brava brava perfect artistic <laughs> wonderful now um, that's a man that knows how to write a story so like yeah i just like again not you my want to do final thoughts or yeah I, I guess we'll get <laughs> into it but like not my favorite ending ever but i thought it was appropriate for the for the movie we just watched I guess, if that makes sense. Like, all right, yeah. Why not do the most ridiculous thing we could to end this motherfucker? Right. All right, do you want to uh, go? You want to start the final thoughts? or If you would like me to go first, I can yeah, I can do yeah. that for you. I know this one's your baby. Um, So you've heard a lot of my gripes. I've had a lot more gripes. I actually feel like I have more gripes in this show than any of the other movies, and that's not saying this was a bad time 
And I'm even telling Earthworm, if he gets this, I would like to watch it again because maybe it will change my score. Maybe I could see something here because I, the ads and everything going on, maybe it was just not the right time for me. Maybe I was just an impatient son of a bitch and uh, stuff like that. But a really all-around great octane, adrenaline-fueled show. Unfortunately, if it wasn't about racing, if it didn't have the type of stuff that I somewhat enjoy this would have not hooked me because the overall plot was all right. Cause I like that type of like, well, the mafia owns you, you got to pay your debts, but they quickly got rid of that, tried to make it into a government fueled, like political shit storm with fascist robots. And I was like into it, but it wasn't because we got an hour and 42 minute movie or 45 minutes. I can't stress that enough. 10 minutes is the opening yellow line scene. I've looked up the times and then the timestamp for the red line race. There's only two races in this whole entire film is 30 minutes. You have 40 minutes out of an hour and 45 minute movie. The least thing I could say about Sword of the Stranger, literally the whole thing's got sword fights. Princess Mononoke, it's not about action. It's about a lot of things and the quality of the story. And it was there present throughout the whole thing until that ending. Bubble, even though a lot of people criticize it, I think it had a lot more action pieces because it was spread out throughout the entire movie. That's why I love this movie, but I hate it because that middle was so dead for me. And it may change, but for now, because of the mal rating, it's going to be a 7. But in my Damn. own personal head, it's like a 7.5. It's making its way to an 8 when we talk about the last 30 minutes of the movie. But I just didn't have the connection to any of them, like any of the characters too much. JP was a good character, but I didn't feel emotionally connected to anything about this. I just wanted to see the adrenaline-fueled racing, and that's my honest opinion. Okay. And I'm sorry to hurt you. Like I said, maybe I could push it up there if I watch it again without ads. I just, It was just not the best time for me. I understand. Look, hurt, I am... <laughs> Sure. Hurt, I am. But respect you, I still do that. So it's all right. Well, we'll go get past this, one way or the other. Um, one so way or the other. Before I get into tomorrow. my final thoughts, I do want to shout out one scene that I remembered that I actually really loved. It's when uh, Frisbee's dealing with the mob guy during Redline, and he's kind of refusing to blow up JP's car. Yeah. And you think he's going to like get killed or whatever, and then the old man busting with a shotgun and just shoots all the mob people. <laughs> But he also was going to shoot Frisbee because he thought Frisbee was going to do him in. And then yeah. he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. And that was yeah. But, like, character growth for Frisbee and you got to see him be, like, the true friend that you kind of knew he would be. I love that. And then the old man just busting in and going full fucking uh, Clinton Eastwood or whatever the fuck. Just shooting everybody. I loved it. Um, So that was great. As far as my th final thoughts go... um. I think I, at the end of the day, what I really loved about this movie is just the the directing, the cinematography, the composition, which I, I've said about a lot of the movies. Um, but I think that's what that's what you try to do more so in a film. You know, in a series, you get time to tell more of a story. In a film, you have to find more visual ways to tell the story, and it, it can't all be it can't all be dialogue or fairly explained. You know, you might have to you might have to forego some of that stuff. So. Yeah, the just the aesthetic of this, the directing. Um, I loved how the director took, and there were a lot of cuts in this movie, like an absurd amount of cuts in this movie, and the way that they were fucking stitched together, 
made it feel like one flowing piece. It didn't feel like there were a bunch of cuts in this movie until it was pointed out to me. And then I rewatched some of it and I was like, wow, this movie does not like it does have certain frames that just like flow the scenery. But a lot of them are just we're going to show you this action piece and we're going to cut to this action piece. But again, the way they're stitched together and, and, and directed, it's it feels so fluid. Um, the animation is unbelievable. Uh, every character is 100% on model every time and not one like just not lacking in movement, you know, like even when JP's going through inertia, like even when it gets anime fied, it doesn't, it feels correct for what's happening. The proportions, everything, the shadows, they all feel correct for how, how the movement and everything's trying to be portrayed. Um, I, I, I've been struggling with this rating. Um, I've been very uh, curious to how you're going to give the rating. And that's why I wanted to rewatch it, because I can't tell if this is my favorite movie ever or if I just really, really like the aesthetic and, like, everything, because the more I've thought about it, like, you're right, the story isn't 100%. Like, it, it's it's got a lot of weird shit. It's got some plot holes, you know? But I was engaged with it at the end of the day, and that's that says something. So... I mean, so, fuck it. <laughs> I'm just going to give it a 10 out of 10. Like, it's, <laughs> for better or for worse, and maybe it's a lot of it is just enjoyment factor. I'm taking a, an extra amount of enjoyment factor. Um, But, like, just take the story aside, and everything else in this anime is, like, 10 out of 10 quality. The directing, the animation, the music... The action, like, I get the dead space in the middle will turn some people off, but for me, man, that just built more hype for, for the fucking 30-minute race that was about to come. So, Redline, it just it sits up there with, with the top of the list with Akira and Princess Mononoke as... I say, Jamovie June, you are handing out tens. This is a crazy year. I'll say that right now. It's absolutely wild, man. Like, And you brought it up, too. You told me, because uh, when we first talked about it, you're like... Well, I am curious. You were curious, like, why didn't you give Promare a ten? Because you said the same things about Promare, like all the animation. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you're right. Why didn't I give Promare a ten? That was literally like more Garen Lagan than that. So, honestly, like, w- the way if y'all hear that I'm rewatching Promare, be- expect another ten to come on that mal. But almost every movie is a ten out of ten. I just, you know, if you're gonna give me just an absolutely banger quality movie, like, how am I gonna complain about that? Like, I'm just, I'm. I probably have a completely different standard for movies. We've talked about like the movie curve or whatever, but right. shit, man. Like I, I want in my movie, I want good directing, good cinematography, banger animation, and a wonderful soundtrack. And if you can give me a pretty good, in at least an engaging story on top of that, fucking awesome. Love it. Um, but all that stuff I said before, that's the most important thing for me. And Redline delivered it. So overall, throughout this movie, uh, June Reviews, Earthworm has given the most points. I've given the least amount of points, but we all pretty much considerably had a great time. No matter what, I had a good time. Um, I did, too. Do not forget that, even though I gave this my lowest rating, this stands above a lot of series I've watched. So uh, movies are definitely different quality. So uh, hopefully everyone listening enjoyed this month, uh, and if you want us to do it more you know, recently or coming up, let us know for sure because I don't mind doing movies as well because they're they're a good time. They're refreshing. 
Yeah, um, I've I've actually found a real love for some of these movies. I'd love to get some more Ghibli movies under my belt. I'd love to find some more like some more sort of the Stranger Red Line, like cult classic, like really. Oh shit! I I still want to watch Steam Boy. I told you about that's the one that yep. actually has the highest budget after Akira. And then you're like, oh, interesting. So like that's on the table. I'd love to watch that and see another one that's broken some records. So I'd love to get. Fuck, we might even do a legitimate review of Akira on, like, our podcast. We've done a guest episode about Akira, um, but that was a few years ago on Talking Anime, and, like, I think it's been enough time, and I think, you know, we could watch it again and have some fresh thoughts, you know? I just yeah, want to the, review the Akira. sky's the limit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, we're not sure if it will be a sort of seasonal episode next or possibly a con talk, but uh, if you guys would like, just make sure you guys leave a comment or a review on uh, what you would like us to do. You know, anything uh, helps and supports us. Yeah, join the Discord. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter. We are definitely open to fan suggestions. Uh, it, fuck, it makes our job easier if you give us an episode idea. We would appreciate it. Um, Damn right. All those links are in the show notes, as well as the Patreon. Um, you heard it earlier. We did the patron Q&A. If you want to get in on that for just a dollar, you can get in on everything that we got going on on the Patreon. Exclusive Discord chat, patron Q&A, early access to extra episodes. So, you know, uh, check it out if you would be so inclined. Um, other than that, I, I, I think I think that's everything. I can't think of any more plugs. I think we did all the plugs. Yes, we did. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode, and hopefully you'll be here for the next one. You don't want to miss it. Absolutely not. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye.